If the trumpets blew today, what would run through your mind? For some, the sound of trumpets would be the sound of excitement itself, for it is the proclamation of the return of their king. But for others, the sound of trumpets is a gloomy sound, a sound that instills great fear, the sound that causes their thoughts to go and think, I didn't have time to repent of my addiction. I said I would, but I never did. I didn't have time to repent of my gossips. I never had time to go and forgive my brother or sister with whom I held bitterness to all my life. I didn't have time to get rid of the secret sin that I have been harboring. For now all is exposed and laid bare before the King, the creator of the universe, who is now going to stand before me and judge everything that I have done. There is nowhere to hide for me anymore, nothing for me to do anymore, but to enter that place of judgment. And then after that, the next thought would be the only question that will really ever matter. And that is, will the king know me? And what will he have to say about me? You see, meeting God on that day will be like how Jacob met Esau. I want to remind you that Jacob stole his brother's birthright. And years later, when his brother Esau was about to meet him, Jacob was greatly distressed, uncertain about how his brother will react, because the last time he saw his brother, he wronged him. He had great sin against him. And so he was afraid that Esau would kill him and his family and everything that he cherished. And then when Jacob came, to meet Esau, he said the following. He said in Genesis 33:10, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Many of us may feel like Jacob, this feeling of when I meet my brother, I am not sure how he is going to meet me, what he is going to do to me. But see, if we can look upon how God worked upon the heart of Esau to change it, to change it to love for his brother Jacob, what does that tell us of God's own heart of forgiveness towards us? That if we, the way we wrong God, was to put his son on the cross by our own sins. And yet Jacob's sin against Esau was to steal his birthright. I mean, our sin towards God is so much greater. But yet God's power is even greater than our sin. God's forgiveness is even greater than our sin. But here's the thing. Our heart has to be like the heart of Jacob. Our heart has to be a heart of repentance, a heart of forgiveness, a heart that is changed, a heart that is not the same as the heart that put him on the cross in the first place, but a heart that says, God, 
I repent and God, I will do whatever I need to do to serve you and follow you to make you the God of my life. But see, the question I have for you, brother and sister, is do you have the oil? You see, there's the story about the 10 virgins that we have read in our Bibles and we've grown all too familiar with it. In fact, so familiar, we have started to miss the deeper meanings God has hoped to communicate to us. But, you know, the story talks about these 10 virgins, five wise and five foolish. And as they go ahead, it says the foolish took their lamps. They took no oil with them. And then in Matthew 25, 4, it says, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him and the door was shut. But afterwards, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open. But he answered, says, I do not know you. Watch, for you know neither the day or the hour. When the trumpet blows, will he know you? See, the downfall of these foolish virgins were that they were not known by him. But why were they not known by him? I mean, they were believers. They were waiting for him. They obviously knew him. But see, what we see happen is that they told to themselves, I'll prepare myself later. Later will be when I get the oil for him when he arrives. But as for now, let me live. Let me live for myself. You see, brothers and sisters, it is when we grow passive about God, passive about his Holy Spirit, passive about our sin, when we do not have the oil, when we do not have a fire in us to worship him with everything we have, when we are not a living sacrifice burning for him, that we are like a foolish virgin that has no oil. We have fallen asleep without it and he will come and return. And when he returns, when that trumpet blows, many of us will look to our parents. Many of us will look to our pastor. Many of us will look to our spouses and we will hope to think that their faith is enough to carry us. We have not made it our own yet. We have looked to them and their faith. But we have not ourselves gone and said, God, here I am. Use me, send me. I am a living sacrifice. And we have then gone to hope that we can borrow their oil. I tell you, you will not be able to borrow their oil. But the king will come and say, I know your spouse. I know your pastor. I know your son or I know your mom or dad. But I do not know you. You see, brothers and sisters, what a terrible place it would be to see God know our family members or dearest, closest friends, but yet say to us, I don't know you. You try to experience me merely through other people, but I died for you to have me as a personal savior, to have a personal relationship. And a relationship is two ways. A relationship is not just a God who who you know about, but a God who knows you. Because you were burning for him. Oh, he couldn't even miss you. 
See if you were in the midst of a forest and you saw a tree in that forest and that tree just burned, burned, burned with fire, but it never burned out. It just kept burning miraculously. Would you not be drawn to it? Would it would be impossible for you to miss that tree? And so it should be with you. You are supposed to be burning, burning, burning with the fire of the Holy Spirit and God that he would not even be able to miss you in the midst of the forest. You would be like that tree who Moses says, what is it about this tree that burns? You would be like inside of the temple, the tabernacle of God. The oil had to be on the lampstand continuously. Do you remember? You how God commanded us. He said, go into he said to the priests, go and make sure there's always oil. Exodus 27, 20. Command the people of Israel, they bring you pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn. And the tent of meeting outside the veil that is set before the testimony, Aaron and his son shall tend at evening to morning before the Lord forever and ever. See, brothers and sisters, you are that olive tree. Paul wrote, and he said in Romans eleven seventeen, you, although a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in. You are Israel. And if you are this olive tree, this menorah, if you will, and if you are a temple of the Holy Spirit inside of that temple of yours, is there not supposed to be a tree, a lamp, a menorah that burns continuously and that burns continuously because it has the oil? The oil of God that satisfies, that fills up, that's always enough. But what is that oil? To understand what the oil is, is pretty simple. You just ask the question of where did it come from? Well, it came from olives. You see, to have the oil means you need to have the fruit. You need to bear good fruit. You can't be a barren tree for the tree will be known by its fruit. And if you have no fruit, you will be known by that. But if you have fruit and you have the oil, then the father will know you by that. In fact, he says in the book of John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and on him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever abides in me will walk as I walk, will imitate me, the ultimate tree and fruit bearer. God is looking for a bride that's going to look like he does. That is an equally yoked bride. But see, brothers and sisters, there are some things among us that God wants us to look out for that will be the very things that keeps us from hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, that keeps us from being known by him, that keeps us from bearing good fruit. And these are two particular sins that Paul talks about in the book of Thessalonians. I want to submit to you that Paul is writing to the Thessalonians about that day of trumpets that is in our future. And he just before mentioning the day itself explores two sins, two sins for a reason. I want to submit to you these 
are very relevant to us as a generation so much closer to the end than the Thessalonians were. And that these sins are discussed in the midst of the Feast of Trumpets and the return of our Lord because they will be going rampant at the time of His return. And they are what Satan will attempt to use to suck us into His kingdom with. To get us away from bearing the fruit that God calls us to bear, to be the wise virgins. The first he gives is in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. And he says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, God warns us to not be like the Gentiles who do not know God. But instead, what many of us have gone to do is to look upon Gentiles who do not know God when we visit social media. See, brothers and sisters, here's the reality. The Internet has become a place of prostitution. Social media, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram are places of prostitution. They are places where we go and we call ourselves believers, but we go to the brothel in our pocket and we scroll through the prostitutes and we look upon what is bared for everyone to see and we participate with the Gentiles. We do as the world does. I want to submit to you that great men of God will fall by this very sin when they stand before our Lord. And this sin may just be the one that pops into your mind the moment you hear the trumpet. Would it be that if you heard the trumpet blow, that you think, I have been looking upon things I shouldn't look upon. Do not let this be a regret on that great day for you. This is a day of repentance. God has given you the ability to be free indeed. And it may mean that you stop looking at what you look at and stop going where you go. But there's freedom for you here. For look at what he says. He says in verse 6, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in these things. We told you beforehand and we solemnly warned you. We sin against our own bodies. We sin against our brothers, our sisters, our husbands, our wives. Upon the one we look upon, we sin. And God says, do not think you can get away with it. I am an avenger of these things. See, he's saying, look, when you think you can have your phone, you think it's secret. You think no one can see it when you go into your room, when you go into this and that place, when no one else, even not even your wife sees what you're doing. God says, I see it and I am the avenger. I will come and I will bring vengeance upon your soul. If you think that you can look upon that and say you worship me. I am not someone who you can fool. I am not someone who you can mess around with. I am the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, where every knee will bow. Don't say you celebrate the feast, you celebrate the feast. But then you go and look upon that. God says in verse 7, God has not called you to impurity, but in holiness. Whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who has given his Holy Spirit to you. What I'm speaking to you is not something that you can disregard. It's just coming from PD. 
see this as a word from the Lord itself. Now he goes on in verse nine and he talks to us about the second great sin to watch out for before the trumpet blows. And it is verse nine. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers of Macedonia. But we urge you do this more and more and aspire to live quietly. Mind your own affairs and do work with your own hands as we instructed you. So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. God commands us to love our neighbors and even how much more to love our brothers and sisters, fellow believers. But how often have I even myself witnessed how we have taken pride in our disunity? We have gone to say, well, look at the church. I am so glad I'm not part of that anymore. Oh, look at this or that denomination. Look at this. Look at that. And we point the fingers of hatred at them. And we have no brotherly love and compassion for them. We say things like, oh, I will never set foot in a church again. You see, brothers, sisters, here's the deal. Yeshua, many people were against him. But yet he went into synagogues. In fact, he even went into synagogues where he knew that he would be met with stones. There were instances, as in the book of Luke chapter 4, where it ended with men picking up stones to kill him. But still he went to that synagogue. Don't tell me that they said something bad and they hurt your feelings so you can't be around them anymore. Yeshua has such a love for the people that even when they wanted to kill him, he was in the midst of them to proclaim the truth, to be a love in the midst of them. We need to have the love that he has if we want to say we are his people. You see, and I know that for many people, when we say the word love, you hear the word compromise because, yes, this world has distorted What love is, love is not compromise, but love is to actually love someone. It is to actually have a kindness to someone. It is to make sacrifice. There's no greater love than to give your life for someone else, even when they don't like you, even when they despitefully use you. You ought to love them is what God commands you to do. And this means that, yes, we speak the truth, but we do it in a way that they can receive. We don't do it because we want to be right and they want to be wrong and we want to prove ourselves right. We want to win a debate. No, Yeshua didn't speak what he spoke to win a debate. He didn't speak what he spoke in order to to for his own pride and own gains to prove how he's smart and better than they are, how he has better theology. No, because that would show that would be evident and visible and no one would want to hear it because they see the pride and lack of love. No, he spoke the truth even directly but with a tear in his eye, with a love that surpasses understanding. And that is the type of love that you ought to have. 
You see, so oftentimes we would go and we, we would say things like, yeah, I was there. I, I was in the midst of people and I spoke the truth to them, but they just rejected me. And of course they will. It's part of it. Yeshua promised that he said they will hate you for my name's sake even. But if they reject you, do not let them reject you because you did not love. If they reject you, let them reject you because you loved well. But if they reject you because you did not love well, they reject you well. Because that is not a message to be accepted if it does not come from the heart of love that Yeshua has for his people. If you do not have love for them and your neighbor, and even for those who do not believe at all in your Messiah, then all your feasts, your Torah portions, and all of it is like nothing. And when that trumpet blows, we ought to fear for our souls because we have failed in the most important commandment that there is. What is the greatest commandment? Is it not to love? But yet, that is the very one that in our hearts, many of us have forsaken. It's time to get real and honest with ourselves and not make excuses about what others have done wrong as to why we can't love them. God didn't say that our, our love for them is dependent on their behavior. Our love for them is there to be regardless and in spite of their behavior. Despite what they have done, we love them. Paul then ends off with proclaiming the day for us. And he says in verse 16, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so while the sound of trumpets to those who are passing away will be a dreadful sound to hear, for those of us who are in Christ, it is a sound of delight and excitement. It is our annual reminder that this world is temporary, that a new life has arrived in Christ. And as we are Hearing that sound, it is the reminder of that we will be resurrected one day. God spoke regarding Christ and said Yeshua is the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the first one that was resurrected. And that is a picture of the latter fruits. That is us. That we will be following in his footsteps. That we will be resurrected as he was resurrected. And as sure as his resurrection was, our resurrection is if we are in him. But my question to you today is, do you have the oil? Does he know you? Are you in him? Because this day is the day that you can make yourself right with him. If there is a sin in your life, if there is a addiction in your life, if there is a bondage in your life, this is the day that the Lord has made a day of redemption. The trumpet has not blown yet at the time of this recording. And if it hasn't blown yet at the time of you watching this, it means that you still have time. And I invite you to take this opportunity to come to the Lord 
on this day. Take the Sabbath that he has commanded and make an offering. Let this offering be as the offering described a sacrifice of value to you. Give do not come to him empty handed, but give to him a sacrifice, a gift. Make an offering in whichever way he leads your heart at this feast and make sure that you have the oil for this is what is commanded. He says in Numbers 29, 1 on the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. He shall not do any ordinary work. It's a day of for you to blow the trumpets and you shall offer a burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. One bull of the herd, a ram, seven male lambs, a year old without blemish, and also the grain of fine flour mixed with oil. Three tenths of an ephah of the bull, two tenths for the ram. Make an offering to him, but make sure that when you come and bring him this offering, that you come and bring it with the oil that it needs to be mixed with, because ultimately the oil is your good fruits of repentance, the work that he does in us. And so we are in a sanctification process, but this is the time to put away our sins. Pray with me if this is something that you would like to do in this moment. Father, I thank you, Lord, for everyone who is listening. God, I thank you for your spirit that pierces our hearts. I pray that you would right now pierce hearts at the sound of my voice, that you would right now come, Lord, and convict Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would come, Lord, and take our hearts and transform them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray, Lord, you would baptize your people with your spirit. That they would speak in tongues, that they would prophesy, that they would walk in dreams and visions. Lord, that they would walk in words of knowledge, that they would walk in words of wisdom. God, I pray, Lord, for your spirit to come upon your people like never before, Lord, this year. And Father, I pray, Lord, right now, Lord, for every sin that we want to give up right now, God, we come to you and we say, God, take it from us. We're sick of this. We don't want to do this anymore. We repent. And God, we turn from our sin, our wicked ways. And I thank you for empowering your people, Lord, to be free. God, I thank you for the freedom, Lord, that is so tangible, so real, even as I'm speaking. God, I thank you, Lord, that you will now bring freedom to the flash of people that are in bondages right now, that are struggling to get free from their sin. God, I thank you, Lord, for freedom from sexual immorality. God, I thank you for breaking us free from the addictions. I thank you for breaking us free from evils, even social media, that's what's needed. And God, I thank you for breaking breaking us free from hatred in our hearts, bitterness, unforgiveness. And I pray that you would put the love in our hearts that we need to love our enemies. We pray all this in the name of Yeshua. May you have an amazing feast of trumpets. Thank you for joining me for this trumpets. I want to say a special thank you to our partners who have made this teaching and every other teaching this month possible. If you want to partner with the ministry, you can visit riseonfire.com. Thank you.